three, two, one, roll the floor. Welcome back to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino, and my guest today is an award-winning business person, public speaker, and podcast host who is passionate about entrepreneurialism. He is a recognized leader in both the financial services and digital marketing field, and over a period of 20 years, he has helped hundreds of businesses grow. Since 2014, he has been director of digital strategy and content at Webbus. Welcome, everybody, Darren Moffat. Well, thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, you know, the number of Australians on this show is growing week by week. It's so fun. I don't know why, but there is a big Australian cluster on the Strategy Sprints podcast. Yeah, I've heard that. You've you've got a a lot of Aussies uh, tuning in. Obviously, uh, people with very good taste to listen to your show. What can I say? I'm a big fan. Your country brings brings really brings out incredible people, and um, we will talk about how you should really solve real problems, how you yeah. can defend your business, and how and why you should invest in a truly scalable marketing infrastructure. Super excited about this thing i have my notepad here i will write down these things for my business and um tell us what are you currently up to ah well that's that's a that's a a pretty uh interesting question in itself um look there's a bunch of things going on at the moment here um i've got as you alluded to in the introduction i've got two businesses so i've got a finance business that's been going for about 15 years and then WebBuzz, which is the digital marketing or the growth agency. And um, so it's been a busy year, like I'm sure a lot of people can relate, you know, like COVID obviously threw a massive curveball to everyone. And if you were in certain industries, particularly in travel or hospitality, uh, you really felt the, the pain, unfortunately. You really felt the pain. And, and, and I, uh, uh, you know, like a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, I was very worried around sort of March. Um, I thought, oh, this is, you know, uh, this is very serious, but um, you know we, we've had ups and downs, but we, we got through that. And both businesses, I'm very relieved uh, to say, are doing quite well uh, in this environment. So, uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I would say that a lot of the year has been steadying the ship and um, making sure that uh, we get through the the choppy seas, so to speak. Um, uh, but uh, we're fortunate. We, we've got through. Uh, a lot of businesses, unfortunately, haven't. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to sort of acknowledge those businesses that have been doing it tough, um, because it's, it's a lot of it's not it's not their fault. You know, it's just it's just very difficult conditions for everyone. Um, but what am I working on right now? Well, a long digression. I'll keep it really short. Um, really, we on the agency side, uh, we are coming up with some new products for next year. And we've just launched what we call Buy Now, Pay Later Digital Market. So what that allows people to do is to, in Australia, it's not uh, internationally available, unfortunately, at the moment, but in Australia, it allows uh, small small and medium-sized businesses to uh, partner with us and, um, you know, they can get marketing services but not have anything to pay on that for up to three months uh, and then, um, and then you know, they can start paying it down after that period of time. So... 
yeah, that's a bit of an innovation in the digital marketing space and there seems to be quite a lot of demand for it. Beautiful. And let's dive into your first CEO tip. Um, why should we solve real problems? What would be the opposite? Why should we solve real problems? Yes, well, um, look, I... It really goes down to the what, what entrepreneurialism is all about. I mean, I'm a big believer that at, at the very heart of business, we it's all about solving problems, right? Uh, if you're not solving a problem for someone that um, uh, is a meaningful problem that enough people have, then you simply won't have a good business, right? So you need to be identify a problem that is a significant problem that people will pay for. You pay, you pay for, for for a solution to that problem and also at scale so there's enough people to sustain the market. So um, we've become pretty good over the years at identifying those problems, both for ourselves but also for our clients. We've got one client at the moment who is um, into telehealth uh, and so we're helping him set up a whole digital general practice, uh, you know, Dr. GB kind of uh, business and uh, that's a lot of fun, uh, but that's also about understanding uh, problems and consumer psychology. So, yes, if anyone's out there, they're listening, if they're thinking about starting a business or they've got one already, um, it, focusing on those problems that people have and solving those before you worry about anything else uh, is, in my view, that's the very first order of business for, for any venture. The next CEO tip is really relevant right now because it's about how to defend the business. And it comes from a place that I was not expecting. So it's really interesting. But before we go there, one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. So you say we can defend our brand, uh, our business by doing branding. That's interesting. Can you unpack it? Yeah. So um, you know, there's a a great book um, by Peter Peter Thiel that um, who's the famous uh, Facebook uh, investor and venture capitalist, and um, and he describes he a, a concept called uh, the defensive moat. So branding is really a, a defensive moat. So once you've got a business going and you're out there and uh, you do have some sort of you know, brand awareness and, and so on, the more you then invest into that brand, um, then you're really building a defensive moat around the business. Um, if you've got very high brand awareness, uh, brand uh, engagement, that will essentially mean that you've got very, uh, you're building your brand equity and that is difficult or more difficult to disrupt um, you know, from a competitive point of view. So uh, it's a very good defensive mechanism for the business. And that's why, for instance, I mean, you'll often see businesses that are getting ready for a sale, they'll go and invest a lot of money in branding and PR and all of these things. You'll All of a sudden, you'll hear, you hear a lot about these businesses in the media. It's no coincidence. They're, they're pumping the brand up so that they extract a higher price for sale. And how can small businesses do it, let's say, in this quarter? What have you seen that is strong? I guess it's simple and small things that one can do to increase brand strength. Yeah, look, I mean, for small businesses that have got limited budgets, um, there's, there's one or two things that they can do that will make a huge difference uh, on, a, on a shoestring, right? And the first thing is remarketing. So remarketing are those ads that 
stalk you around the internet, you know, um, you might click on a on a on an ad and you're looking at, you know, a nice uh, new set of shoes or something, and you'll leave that, and then half an hour you'll jump on Facebook, and sure enough, there's the ad for the same set of shoes you were looking at, right? That's remarketing. Now, any business can do that, and it's incredibly cheap. Those ads are very cheap because they're only showing to people that have clicked onto your website or onto that part of the page, uh, on that page on the website. But what that does, if you set that up properly, not only on Facebook, but on Google Display Network, maybe on LinkedIn, maybe on Instagram and so on, you can create what's called a brand wall. So that means that uh, everyone that's been on your website just sees you everywhere. Um, and they think you're huge when you're not. Um, and to give you an example, you know, we, uh, we, did, we did an experiment um, a couple of years ago and we, with remarketing, we got onto the front page of um, the New York Times uh, and, and, the, and the Harvard Business Review and it cost about 60 cents. So, yeah, remarketing is great for branding or creating the perception of a bigger brand than what you really are. Cool. And I'm also curious who you nominate for the Strategy Award. So let's jump in. You can pick only one person that gets the award. Who is this person? So this is a strategy award. So this is someone that I'm admiring at the moment. I'm admiring their moves, you know, the moves, the, the business and the, and, and the strategy moves they're pulling, yeah? Well, in my podcast uh, called Nerds of Business, uh, I have been very fortunate to interview some really successful entrepreneurs. Um, in fact, in the first series, I interviewed people they, uh, from companies worth $2.5 billion. Um, and I would nominate the CEO of uh, one company, uh, a guest on my show, Fred Shabesta from finder.com.au. Uh, now, the reason I'm nominating Fred is that he's just recently done something extremely gutsy. Uh, he has disrupted himself. So what I mean by that is that he's got an incredibly successful business here in Australia, valued at around $300 million. And, um, you know, happy days, you know, they're, they're a mature business. But he, uh, he, he wasn't content just to let it ride. He actually has developed an app which disrupts, to some extent, the existing business. And a lot of entrepreneurs won't do that. He's done it because he knows that um, if he doesn't disrupt himself, someone else will, firstly. But also... On a broader level, uh, constant transformational change is how you grow and scale a business. So, But it does take guts to disrupt your existing business model. That's what he's done, and that's why I nominate Fred Shabesta from finder.com.au for the Strategy Award. Beautiful. And back to branding and what we can do. So one thing is retargeting, remarketing. When somebody's interested, follow them along because now they are warm. Uh, and that's and that's an effective and efficient way. Um, are there any other things that you see that are working for branding? Yeah, mm. yeah. Look, I mean, um, it depends on what stage you're at with the business. For instance, you know, public relations PR is is always great for branding, but it's um, you, you need to have a little bit of patience, a little bit of budget for that. Um, and depending on where you are, that might not be appropriate. Uh, the other thing that you can do for branding is, um, you know, 
old school marketing. Like everyone talks about digital. We're, you know, I run a digital agency, so it's easy for me to talk about SEO and pay-per-click and, and so on. But, you know, if you're in a local market, for instance, if you're a, a restaurant or you're, a, you're running a very localised business, then what you really want to do for your branding there, a good thing to look at is some local sponsorships, partnering with schools or other local organisations, um, sporting teams and so on. Um, that can be a great way to get the brand out in a local market. But here's my tip for that, that if you're going to do some sort of sponsorship or local brand um, uh, marketing uh, to that effect, you need to have a call to action and you need to have an offer. And so you need to be able to measure the return you're getting off that sponsorship uh, for the local brand campaign. It's no good just to spray something out there and, you know, hope that something comes back. So what you really want to do if you're going to do a campaign like that is have a unique offer and call to action, maybe a particular page on your website, so that when you're running these um, local sponsorship branding campaigns, uh, you're in incentivizing people to go to a certain page on your website and get some particular offer. And that way you can then, you know, reasonably accurately measure the efficacy of that campaign. Because if only people from your local branding sponsorship campaign are coming to this page, and if you get like 10 people a month going through that funnel and, and converting, well, you know that they're coming from that campaign. So that's what I'd recommend there. If you're going to invest in any local branding stuff, any sponsorship, you've really got to have a call to action, you've got to have an offer, and you've got to have a mechanism to measure so that you know what return on investment you're getting. Your third CEO tip is also something really interesting, why we should go for a truly scalable marketing infrastructure. And I want to know so much more about it. First, one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategysprints.com slash tools. To unpack it, because first, what is a scalable marketing infrastructure? And then how do we build it up? Yeah, so that's a great question. So when I'm talking about a scalable marketing infrastructure, what I mean is that you've built all of the collateral and the infrastructure around your marketing such that uh, it, it already works. And, and for every, you know, $10 that you pour in the top, uh, it spits out, you know, one extra customer or what it, or one sale or whatever it might be. Those numbers are obviously, you know, just by way of illustration. But a scalable marketing infrastructure is, a, is um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be digital, but these days it often is because digital has the best measurement mechanisms. Uh, it's all about data. So you're building a system essentially of inputs and outputs. You know, you know that, okay, if we spend, yes, this amount through this channel, it will, because we've got data on it and we've iterated it and we've, we've got an established conversion rate, we know that it will produce you know, 5% conversion or 10% conversion of leads or sales, whatever. So my, the, the, the whole point is around getting the, the data sets right, getting the infrastructure in place, um, having those conversion rates stable. And once you've got all that, then it's just pour more in the, in the top. You know, you can then be confident that for every extra $100,000, $10,000 you spend, it will produce uh, X outcomes. So that's a scalable marketing infrastructure. And to do that, essentially, you need to invest a little bit in um, accurate data. So you need really good data and reporting. And you need to work 
either with people on your team or an agency that uh, you know know how to build this for you, and 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 most importantly of all, uh, know how to test and measure. Who should use Google? Who should use Facebook? What's your perspective? Okay, um, that's a that's a very challenging question because it, it's obviously it's not binary. There's no yes or no or black and white. Um, it's a, it's a, got a lot of grey in that. But I can I think I can answer your question. So essentially, the difference falls more on the buyer journey. So what I mean by that on the sales funnel, right? So Google is very proactive. People are physically going into a search engine and they're searching for what they want. And for that reason, they tend to have more of what's called purchase intent. So they know what they want or they, they, they're closer to knowing what they want and they're going in and you'll often find that Google is better for those late stage funnel um, opportunities. So people who are down towards the being ready to purchase. Now, Facebook is the opposite of that. Um, it's a browsing platform. And so Facebook tends to be, if we're generalizing here, which we are, it's, this is not always the case, but Facebook tends to be better for mid and higher stage funnel um, opportunities. So people who are gathering information, they might not even be problem aware. So that just to recap, the sales funnel, the classic sales funnel is problem unaware. They don't even know they've got the problem. Then the next stage down is problem aware. Then the next stage down is solution aware. Then they're getting down to solution comparison, and then they're buying, right? So you tend to get more people down the bottom here at uh, solution aware and solution comparison down on Google. And on Facebook, you tend to get more people at the top. That's a very broad generalization, and there are many exceptions. And it will also vary depending on the niche or vertical in which you operate. Um, so that is, to bring it right back to your initial question, What's best? Who's it best for? Um, if you're looking for fast sales, um, then often Google is better, not always. Uh, if you're looking for um, take the people out of the market early and you're looking for to build a database uh, and you're looking for more demographic uh, detail on your potential customers and, and sales, um, then Facebook uh, it might be better because the targeting is better in terms of the demographic data. But as I said, that you know, it's different. It's different for every campaign. I mean, we might, in our agency, you know, we'll use both of them interchangeably for for the same client. It really, it just might. There might different campaigns might have different objectives. So, um, yeah, there's no right and wrong answer on that. But hopefully, that's given you some sort of broad overview. Absolutely. Many of our clients are thinking now Christmas time is coming. Should I stop my campaigns and restart February? Uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, we have some pretty uh, firm views on this, actually. Um, our view, and we say this to our clients, is that, um, uh, you know, and again, it depends on the industry, but, but broadly speaking, you probably want to stop a lot of your marketing by about mid-December. Um, People start to get very distracted with Christmas. Um, and if you're in a service business, if you're in a service industry uh, and you're trying to generate leads for a service business, once you get past the 15th, it's very hard then to keep those conversations going over Christmas and New Year. And so often you'll find a conversion rate on those leads won't be very good to sale because you've had to navigate all those 
holidays and that extra time. So that's the main reason we tell people to stop there. Obviously, if you're um, an e-commerce business, it's very different. You know, Christmas is is the time to make hay. You know, like that's it's a really busy retail um, um, period. So it will vary from vertical to vertical, industry to industry. But here's another tip I can give you. Um, early to mid-January can be an excellent time uh, to advertise online and because uh, a lot of people are in what's called a change state. So, uh, you know, people get comfortable and all through the year they're in their comfort state. They're working, they're going home, they're eating dinner, they're going to bed, they're doing what they do on the weekend, rinse and repeat, okay? Now they get to the holidays and in January here in Australia, this is the big summer holiday period, they're not doing that pattern anymore. They're in a different pattern. They're in a change state, which means they're open to new things psychologically. So that's why January is a very good time. Also, less competition, way less advertisers are spending a lot of money in January. So my tip to businesses out there uh, who might be watching this is that mid, you know, early to mid-January on can be a very good time to advertise, um, not least of which uh, because many people come back from Christmas, New Year with a New Year's resolution and they want to do things, you know, they've, they've got it in their head that they, they're going to do X, Y, Z, or they want to buy A, B, C, whatever it is. Um, and so that presents a lot of opportunity to advertisers. What's your experience when people try and, and build a scalable marketing infrastructures? What are some things that they do, some typical mistakes that they do? Okay. Well, the most obvious mistake we see is, uh, they've got a really crappy website. So people will often try and spend money on advertising or doing marketing, um, usually themselves, they'll have a crack at it or whatever, <coughs> or they might engage some, some um, you know, sort of agency, and the agency won't, uh, might not be courageous enough to tell them that it's not going to work with the current website. And we, we recently had a client like this or a, a group that we're talking to, and a similar thing, you know, they're very keen to get out there and do digital marketing, but we took one look at the website and we were like, look, it's not going to work. The site is not terrible, but the way it's designed and set up and the content, we just know from experience that it will not convert traffic into uh, leads and sale opportunities and so on. So we literally said to them, look, we'd really like to work with you, but we're not prepared to start a campaign if we have to work with that website. So either go away and fix the website or let us fix it for you but um, it's not going to work otherwise. So uh, you need a good, really good website or landing page or a series of landing pages. They'd be the main mistakes we see. Um, you know, Facebook in particular has made it very easy for small business to advertise online these days. It's harder on Google, uh, but Facebook has made it easier. But in most cases, the user still needs to point somewhere to a landing page or to a website page and that's where a lot of businesses fall down. They think they can just send the traffic to their contact page on their website or their homepage. It's way more complicated than that. It's just, that's just not going to cut it. You need a, a really, really well-designed page with a clear offer, a call to action, and, um, uh, and you know, really highly evolved design. Um, otherwise, you're just going to leak ad spend. We've had plenty of people come to us and say, I've just spent $7,000 on Facebook and I didn't get one thing out of it. You know, it happens all the time. And the main reason is the website or the landing page. Super relevant. What did you recently change your mind about? 
what did I recently change my mind about? Um, that that is a, a, a now. Does that question can it be about anything, or is it just about marketing and business? Or okay, I'll keep it quite broad. Uh, I'm a very much a political junkie. I follow politics uh, both nationally here in Australia and also globally, particularly in America. And um, I was convinced, uh, you know, over the last kind of four to four years or so, that emotion had trumped, and that is a deliberate pun, by the way, had trumped rationality in politics and in the media. And so, um, you know, but we've been proved, I, I was proven wrong in the sense that the, uh, Joe Biden won the, the election. And that, in, in my view, is a clear vindication for rationality over emotion, although others might disagree. But I think that uh, these are the two, the yin and yang of the, of the human mind and of, the, of what, what it means to be in a human community, you know, the, the emotional pull versus the rational mind. And, um, yes, I, uh, I was a little bit worried there for the, uh, the rational mind, but it seems to have made a bit of a comeback. And so I'm, I'm now backing the rational mind to uh, eventually um, uh, win the battle. Beautiful. And um, Darren, where can people find you and stay in touch with you? Yes. Um, well, the best place is our website, which is webbuzz, or one word, webbuzz.com.au. And that is the best place to go. Um, if they want to check out the podcast, um, which I would recommend because there's some amazing guests on the podcast, then it's webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. So that's webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. And um, we're into our season two of the podcast on product development. Um, so, yeah, that, that might be something that interests the entrepreneurs out there, how to actually create a product that will... Um, you know, take a business from just an idea potentially all the way, all the way to the top. Absolutely. And who should be my next guest? Ah, who should be your next guest? The, there's so many names I could nominate, and, and it's that's a that's that's a very tough question because it's sort of like, you know, it's the Sophie's choice. Like, who do I choose? Who do I leave out? Um, but look, I would say, Simon, that the, um, the person I would like to nominate uh, is Meena Radhakrishnan. Now, Meena Radhakrishnan is the CEO and founder of a prop tech business called different.com.au. Um, and they've raised about $13 million in capital from some really serious venture capitalists here in Australia. And she is awesome. She was a, a guest on my podcast. And uh, the re there's so many reasons uh, that Meena... Uh, is is so impressive, but uh, here's a few. She was a product designer for Google and also uh, at Uber when they only had 20 employees, right? So she's she's been right at the start of some of these really big companies. Uh, she's really, really bright, but very humble and approachable, and she's got some great insights. So I think um, if you had her on the show, uh, she'd probably – leave me in, 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 in the shade in terms of, um, you know, offering value to listeners. Uh, but, you know, if I can leave you with, with, with one thing, I would say, yeah, try and get Mina on the show 
Uh, she's got a great story to tell and she's very, very generous with her knowledge. And I think I think your audience or listeners will will certainly take a lot of value out from, from having her on the show. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Darren, for being here. And everybody who was listening, if you want to optimize your campaign, strengthen your brand, use the January transitional period, go to Darren, web bus, and rock it, everybody. See you soon, Darren. Thanks a lot, Simon. Thank you. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.